so I heard some chatter. I didn't hear the chatter. I saw the chatter online about uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl looking a little off these last couple of games. I suppose when you go to a one nothing shootout and lose to the Jets, and then you play in the Red Wings, and it's a low scoring game, and McDavid doesn't register a point. After watching McDavid and Draisaitl put up, you know, <laughs> average more than two points a game or whatever, you're going to say, "Hmm, oh, what's going on?" But these guys are human, aren't they? Well, yeah, I think um, to me, if anything, Drysaddle looked a little sluggish, but he's been playing twenty-five minutes a night for, for I guess since the start of the season, which is which is an awful lot for a forward to play. To constantly play that much, it, it's an awful lot, and he he plays that much because he kills penalties, and McDavid doesn't kill penalties as much anymore. Um, they'll get him out there every now and then if they need him. If they think he's sitting too long on the bench, they'll get him out there to kill penalty. But you just. I know, I understand what Dave Tibbetts trying to do. He wants to get himself a nice little buffer here um, before they go into the rest of the of the season. He wants to get up there to the nine and ones or nine nine one and ones. I guess would be now or or give himself like an eight or nine game cushion, and then you can kind of ease into the rest of the season and go from there. When you look at when the Oilers made the playoffs three years ago, they they got off to that great start, and then they just pretty much played five hundred the rest of the way, and then that was good enough to to get them second in the division. So I think that's what Dave Tippett's seeing now, that he wants to ride these horses, get out to a lead, and then maybe let them settle in a little bit. But I think uh, I think there's a couple of factors last night. I think they did look a little sluggish. They did look a little tired. And the ice didn't look particularly great. I just wonder if maybe it was a little warm in there or something, because it just looks like pucks were bouncing all over the place, and no one can get a hold of a puck, and no one could really do much with it. So I think, you know, maybe that, that factored in. I know there's a couple of two on ones that at overtime that you would have expected McDavid to bury and the puck bounced off his stick twice. Yeah, this is the Oil Spills podcast. I'm host Craig Ellingson. I'm with a hockey beat writer, Derek Van Deest. And of course, we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah, I know McDavid did, uh, it was a couple of two on ones with, with dry saddle where, yeah, I mean, one of those, you would think he would have buried it, but Again, I mean, it's hockey. Not every shot goes in. These goaltenders have, you know, nine, the good ones have nine twenty plus yeah, save, percentage. save percentages, you know, and that includes plenty of, plenty of player making plenty of millions of dollars you're facing every single game. So, yeah, and at the same time, you know, outside of a Wayne Gretzky during when he's scoring 200 plus points or Lemieux doing the same thing, can't expect these guys to be at the absolute highest peak of their games every single night. I mean, I know you're paying these guys a lot of money, but still, they're athletes, they're human beings, and I don't know, maybe I sound like an apologist or whatever, but, you know, one nothing game against the Winnipeg Jets in their own building, you know, it was a shootout one nothing victory for Winnipeg. I don't want to use up all the gas, but you know, Ethan Bear once again is showing that he's like, wow, this guy really can play in the NHL. Oh, definitely. I think they they did it right with Ethan Bear. Um, Ethan Bear came up two years ago, and at the time, I thought he looked like he was ready to play in the NHL. I think um, he looked like pretty composed on the puck. He knows what to do with it. He knows the place to make. He's an excellent skater. Um, and, and so he, he, he seemed to have all the tools to be a very good uh, offensive defenseman, uh, whether or not they thought that his defensive work side needed some work, perhaps, but they they weren't afraid to keep him down in the in the in the Myers last year for the entire year, and they basically sent him a message and they said, 
you have to work on your conditioning. We want you to be a guy that can play 25 to 30 minutes a night if we need you. We need you to play top four minutes. We need you to go in here and be in the best shape of your life. And he took that challenge on, and he talks about it a lot. When you go in and say, what's the difference between you this year and last year and the year before, he'll say right away, my conditioning. I'm eating healthier. I'm, uh, I'm working out a lot. I'm really watching what I put into my body. And it's just a, a, that maturity process, he said, of going and becoming a professional hockey player. Now it's about you, your body and how you treat it and how you do what what kind of things you do to kind of work out and things like that. And I think that's it, a big thing for him right now. And he's not feeling tired towards the end of shifts. I think he, he said that as well. He says he feels great out there on the ice. He feels like he can go out and skate forever. And I think that's a big thing. And and now we're seeing a lot of confidence in him. And the coaching staff is showing some confidence in him. And he was out there in the overtime last night. He was out there in the three-on-three overtime. So that shows you something about how the coach feel about Ethan Bear and his progression, where they're not afraid to throw a rookie out there on a three-on-three overtime situation. Yeah, because in three-on-three overtime, essentially they're rotating two two sets of three players. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, for him to get the call, that is quite something. Right, it's impressive. And and there was an opportunity there, I think, uh, when he was on the ice, the, ball, the puck came around the boards and McDavid was in full speed. He just couldn't get a hold of the puck to take it the other way. But um, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look like a guy that was completely out of, out of his element in the three-on-three. And just, you know, sticking with the defense, um, of course, you know, we've seen elevated play from almost everybody on the defense. I mean, Oscar Clefbaum has been... You know, he's really been that number one defenseman for them. He has, and he's logging a ton of minutes. And again, his progression has been kind of similar in that regard. He had, you know, knee injuries and then a shoulder injury earlier on in, in in his career. But now you're seeing that maturity, and he's really, like, the Oilers really need Clefbaum to be able to play the minutes he's playing. And he's doing a good job of that, and he's a guy that's been able to provide something for the Oilers on both ends of the ice. And I think that's important. He's, a, he's been very, very good defensively, very, very responsible defensively. And he's also been able to to chip in offensively and help out on the offensive side of things. So he's, Clefbaum's become a very, very exceptional defenseman. He's a, he's a true top pairing defenseman right now. And this is what they wanted out of him. This is the the situation. They drafted him high because they thought he could do that. He could, he was, he had the ability to do that. And maybe it took a little longer to get there than some people thought. But I think he's there now, and I think the Oilers are, are very comfortable leaning on him right now, and I think he's playing the best hockey of his career. And again, it's it's that maturity, it's that experience that comes in. And you know, they talk about defensemen aren't really ready to play in the NHL till they'll play you know, 200 games or something like that, they, till they, they really feel comfortable playing at that two or the third or fourth year into the league. And I think we're seeing that with, with Clefbaum right now. You know, I know it's pretty early because he's not due to come back for a while yet. But, you know, when Adam Larson's ready to return from injury, the Oilers are going to have some hard choices to make because, you know, the, the six players they have playing regularly on defense now, who do you take out to insert Adam Larson again? Yeah, and that's a good problem to have. It's a it good is. problem to have, and I think it's a problem that they had last year the other way because they didn't have people to fill those roles. And and Chris Russell's playing well, and, and well, Brandon Manning's playing well as well. He's he's He wants to show people that he can still play the game at this level, and he is, still has some game in him, and, and obviously what, what Bear is doing right now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I think part of it has to do with the system as well, 
that Dave Tippett plays. You don't see the defensemen exposed as much as they were maybe in other times. You don't, you're not seeing the Oilers give up a lot of three-on-two rushes, three, uh, two-on-one rushes. They're not coming back the other way a lot. He, Dave Tippett likes to play five men back, five men up type thing. He likes That's the type of system he likes. He doesn't really like to stretch the play a lot. So I think that's benefiting the, the Oilers defensemen as well because they are having some help. In in terms of when when guys are coming in, they they get some help on the wings, and the defensemen are playing a little lower in in that sense as well. So that helps as well. That helps you ice insulate these some of these younger guys a little bit more. You, you don't have them out on an island trying to stop guys one on one as as often. Like what you heard today. Get more of the Edmonton Journals and the Edmonton Sun's award-winning journalism complimentary for 30 days at edmontonjournal.com slash podcast or edmontonsun.com slash podcast. You know, it's as true now as it was a week ago when we brought it up on this podcast and pretty much all season, but you know, at some point, the Oilers are really going to need their bottom six forwards to contribute offensively. We haven't seen it yet. Hasn't been very much of it. I don't know when that time is going to come, though. I mean, I'm not sure what it's going to take. You know, I think they're going to get there. Um, what I saw last night, you know, people talk about the bottom six and in the offensive zone time they have. I think their third and fourth lines are doing a great job of cycling the puck in the corner and keeping the puck in their end. And to an extent, to me, the third and fourth lines, that's their job is to turn, just not get scored on and, and just try to, to to gain an advantage in some way or another. You have to be a positive player if you're going to be on the, on the third and fourth line. I think the scoring will come, but I think right now they're comfortable. There's a couple of shifts last night where the third line had the, the Jets pinned in their own end for a good minute. And as they were just cycling around, and I think Jujakar... He's going to have to start providing some offense, but I think he does a good job of ragging the puck behind the net. He's a big, strong guy. He's a tough guy to get off the puck. So when they do get on the cycle, I think they are effective in that sense that they're killing a lot of time in their other team's zone. They're not chasing their the, the puck around in their own zone. So I think it's just a matter of time before they start to create more chances and start to contribute offensively. I think you want that, but I think it's a progression. And, and to me, the, the first progression is that when these guys are on the ice, the puck's going to be in the other team's zone, and I think that's a, a big coup for, for Dave Tippett. He doesn't have to worry about having to survive the third and fourth lines. Maybe some other teams do. So that's a good start. Uh, I think they're outworking their opponents, which is another big thing because if, if you're on the third and fourth line, you have to outwork your the third and fourth line. I think they're doing right right now, and I think it'll, it, I think it'll come. I think the offense will come, but you're right. They're going to have to contribute because McDavid and Drysaddle aren't going to be able to get four points every night. Is it a matter of chemistry back there too? Because there are an awful lot of new faces on the bottom six. I mean, there, I know there are any time a, a coach decides to shuffle lines and it happens because of injury too. But considering that, you know, you've got a number of players. You've got Urcho, you've got Archibald, you've got Shea, you've got, you know, on and on. I mean, you've got all these new guys down there playing with each other for the first time. Yeah, I think I think that, that has to do with it as well. And it's going to take some time, and I think we have they have some guys there that are still kind of trying to find their way in the league. Um, but yeah, I think you do have to develop a chemistry and a rapport. And what I think is important for some of those guys is that they've been given a role, especially on the penalty kill, 
these guys, they've been given a role and they've kind of adopted that role and that's their role. And, and you look at Jujar Kara now and you ask him what his number one role is, he's going to say to kill penalties and then to play in the third and fourth line and then to kind of try and score some goals for the team. So I think it, that's kind of the progression. But I think you're absolutely right where, where it does take some time to develop some chemistry offensively. I think you can work hard beside a guy and you can and you can outwork the other line. I don't think that takes a lot of chemistry. But when it comes to creating offense and generating offensive chances and knowing what the other guy's going to be, I think you're right. I think it does take a little bit of, of just time playing with each other and getting to know each other and getting to know the tendencies of each player and getting to know the strengths and weaknesses of each player. And, and I think you're, you're starting to see that now. I think you're starting to see that they're starting to get familiar with each other. And I think the more familiar they get, I think the more dangerous offensively they're going to be. You know, and, and through the, you know, we're early in the season, but the consistent thing for the Oilers has been good goaltending. And that's just true. You know, we've talked about it every every podcast mm-hmm. this season. Um, you know, Mike Smith against Winnipeg, uh, you know, Koskinen against the Red Wings. Even the, you know, it was the game against um, the 52 shots that Koskinen against Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, that's that's not something the Oilers have had for for a long time. Well, Cam Talbot in the in the playoff year in 2016-17, but geez, you know, Mick Smith last night, he made some amazing stops. He did, and I think Dave Tippett really handled his goaltending well. He sat both of these guys down at the beginning of the season, and he said, this is how we're going to do it. This is how I want to do it, ideally. I want to play you guys two games, and then the next guy two games, and the next guy two games. That way you can still get into a bit of a rhythm and a bit of a flow, but you don't get cold if you're sitting on the bench. And I think it's it's so far it's worked out where he's playing that he's playing guys in blocks of two. So Mike Smith, I expect to get the start in Minnesota. And then Koskin will probably go the next two after that. And I think one, it knows where you are with the coach when it when it comes to a goaltend. There's no guessing. There's no second guessing of when you might play and when you might not get in. Um but two, I think it it helps develop a, a rapport between the two guys. So now they know that it's a team. And and it's teamwork, and it's it's a it's not a situation where you're trying to beat out the other guy, and it, there's still internal competition there. But I don't think it's oh well, I got to beat out the other guy because I'm going to get the start if I get beat out the other guy. If Dave Tippett said to these guys, listen, this is how we're going to do it. This is how I want to do it. I want to play the first guy two games, the next guy two games, the next guy two games, and that's how we're going to do it as long as we're going to be successful. If we have to make a change, to that if we have to make a switch, then then we'll do that. And I think both guys are very, very comfortable in that role. And I think you have to have a certain type of goaltender. And goaltender has a certain type of mentality and mindset because every goalie wants to play every game. As And you ask about goalies and their workload, and they all want to play every game. So you really have to kind of take a step back and, and think team first when your coach tells you, you're going to play two games, regardless of how well you play in that second game, the next guy's going to come and come in and play two games. And that's the rotation we're going to work on. Um, and so far, it's working out for them. You know, the Oilers have technically played a couple of playoff teams. Uh, you know, here early on, you know, the Islanders and the Jets both made the playoffs. But the real test to me, because, you know, the Islanders and the Jets have had some uh, changes from last year, um, is the Capitals coming up. And uh, because, you know, they're the Stanley Cup champions from two years ago. They still have Alex Ovechkin and, and company uh, on their roster. And it's... That should be, even though I know they're not first place in the league like the Oilers are or were, they're still, the Washington Capitals have been playing at a high, you know, 
in the playoffs at a high level for a few years. I I think the Oilers really got a break when they made the schedule, as in a sense that I think you know they faced what it was it eight teams and seven had not made the playoffs the year before or something like that. So I think they took advantage of the schedule. You you can't you can only play the teams that they put in front of you, and you can only beat the teams that they put in front of you. And so it's it's not the Oilers' fault that. You know, the Kings didn't make the playoffs and Vancouver didn't make the playoffs and some of these other teams that they've played haven't made the playoffs. That's not their fault. What it is, what is in their control is to be able to win those games and, they, and they've managed to do it. They, they're finding ways to win those games. And then you're right. When these other heavy hitters come in here, these these guys that not just made the playoffs last year, but you know, like the Capitals won the Stanley Cup two years ago, but they're in the playoffs every year. Every year they're in the conversation. Every year they're in the running as one of the teams that can just go out on a streak and, and, and win the Stanley Cup. So every year they're contenders. I think when the Oilers start seeing some of those teams, you know, teams like Washington, teams like Pittsburgh, teams like St. Louis, then you're going to get a really good read of exactly where they stand. I think right now it's easy to say, you know what? The Oilers aren't the bottom third of the league. They're above that bottom third of the league, which is a big accomplishment in itself considering how this organization has been the last little while. So they're better than the bottom 10, 15 teams. They're probably somewhere between you know, you know, know, 20 and, and, and 25. We'll see where they are when it comes to the other few teams in the league, whether they're, they're up there with the elite. I don't think they're up there with the elite yet. But I think they are somewhere in the middle of the pack there. And I think just off the start, playoffs are a very, very reasonable goal. I think I think this is a team that can make the playoffs this year. They've gone off to a fantastic start. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. And when you do that, you're going to make life a little easier for yourself because when you go up against those high-end teams, then now you don't necessarily have to beat them for your playoff lives. When you're not beating the teams that you're supposed to, then you come up to these games like Washington and Pittsburgh coming up in a little while. And then you're suddenly, you're looking at those games going, we have to win these games to make the playoffs because we couldn't beat Los Angeles and we couldn't beat Vancouver. We couldn't beat some of these other kind of lower end teams. And I think right now the Oilers are beating some of those lower end teams. It kind of puts them in a good spot when they meet up with like Washington and some of the other high end teams in the league. That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to Oil Spills via Apple's podcast app or iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you may access your podcasts. 